0: Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're pleased to have you join us for the program.
1: And he stood over that city and he did what Jeremiah did. He condemned those who should have known better.
0: In the time that Jeremiah was a prophet, people were engaged in the practice of, quite literally, sacrificing their children to the gods in the hope of securing prosperity. Upon reading the account in Jeremiah, one might cringe and wonder how... Sadly, reflections of that same practice occur today. The message from tonight's exploration of Jeremiah chapter 19 is that through Christ there is hope and forgiveness. Ears will tingle, that's the topic, as we join Dr. Corbett.
1: Let's pray as we open up this section and hopefully we can unpack this and this is going to be extremely sensitive. So Father, I pray as we open up your word now that it will be your word opening up our heart. That, Father, you'll speak right into our hearts. And, Lord, like a surgeon's knife, it's got to cut away bad growth. It's got to cut away cancerous growth, tumorous growth. I pray, Lord, that today your word would cut away those things from our hearts that should not be there. And that, Father, your word would be like seed sown into our hearts, putting things there that should be there. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn to Jeremiah chapter 19. What can we take from this Old Testament passage and see a new covenant application? Now, there is some pretty dumb thinking about that. And I've done some videos that I've put on Vimeo where in response to someone who said the Bible forbids the eating of shellfish and the same passage also talks about sexual conduct, therefore, because we know... That shellfish is okay to eat now under the new covenant because Jesus in Mark chapter 4 it says he declared all foods clean. The reasoning goes, therefore, if food that wasn't clean under the old covenant is now clean under the new covenant, therefore all those sexual restrictions have now been done away under the new covenant. Can I tell you that is just stupid? That is dumb. And I'll give you sorry, I'll probably not make myself clear. That is I can't think of a better word than stupid. That really is stupid. Now, here's the reasoning for that. And here's how we can take a principle from the Old Testament and find how the principle outworks in the New Testament. If the New Testament repeats it as binding on Christians, it's probably a principle binding on Christians. It's as simple as that. So if someone comes along and says, you know, it's wrong for Christians to eat pork or eat shellfish or eat camel or whatever. Jesus said, it's not what goes into a man that defiles a man. It's what's in his heart that defiles a man. And Mark then says, this Jesus said, thus declaring all foods now to be clean." So in other words, it's not food, the eating of food that's gonna or types of food that's gonna get you into heaven or keep you out of heaven. Right? That's what Jesus said. And, and nowhere in the New Testament does it does it repeat don't eat pork and don't do it just doesn't say it. In fact it actually says the opposite. But when it comes to sexual conduct, the Bible actually repeats the Old Testament regulations of, of sexual conduct. It actually repeats it. Now, I've heard people say Jesus never said anything about homosexuality. Well, the, the, the problem is, Matthew was it 15:19. Jesus said it is sexual immorality that will defile a person, keep them out of heaven. So while foods won't defile you, Jesus said sexual immorality will. Now, where is he getting this definition of sexual immorality? Well, you'll find it in... Is it Leviticus 18? Leviticus 19? Somewhere in there. And that's where he's getting it from. And there's six categories of sexual immorality. And there's no children here, so let me be blunt and just tell you what you will read if you read this passage. You will read about incest. You'll read about bestiality. You'll, you'll read about pedophilia. You'll, you'll read about homosexuality. You'll read about fornication, which is sex without marriage. And you'll read about adultery, which is sex with someone who, uh, while you're married, this is sex with someone who you're not married to. And the Bible calls that sexual immorality. So this section is called Ears Will Tingle. We're looking at nine verses. I'm going to put about five of these verses on the screen because the other four are just too graphic to put on the screen. But you, you, if you've got a Bible, you'll see it on your lap. Ears Will Tingle, Jeremiah 19, verses 1 to 9. We're reading from verse 1. Thus says the Lord... Go buy a potter's earthenware flask and take some of the elders of the people and some of the elders of the priests. Now, this is interesting that Jeremiah is told to take an earthenware flask. You remember in the previous chapter, chapter 18, that Jeremiah is sent to the potter's the potter's house and he's told to look at the potter making an earthenware flask on a potter's wheel. And Jeremiah is shown that the potter is working the clay and it's, it's just not happening. And so the potter goes, mmm, mangles it up again and reworks it. And God says, can I not do this with you? These people have, have, have not allowed me to fashion them, so I will do with them as I will. And now we're about to hear what that's going to look like. So Jeremiah is told to go and take an earthenware flask, buy an earthenware flask, And I find this interesting because we we have been reading that Jeremiah has been on the outer. He has not been doing very well in the polls. He's saying this is where God wants you and this is where you are. And it's powerful stuff. Yet I'm intrigued that in the midst of this, he's still got a relationship with his fellow priests and the elders of Jerusalem. That tells me something about Jeremiah. It tells me that this man was not a harsh man. So let's, let's keep reading. Verse 2, And go out to the valley of the son of Hinnom at the entrance of the potsherd gate, we're going to refer to that in a moment, and proclaim there these words. So here's the first point. He's told, take an earthen vessel. And I've reminded you that he was already shown how these earthen vessels are made. And God is, I think, giving us a really nice picture here That that really, having said that the point of the text is that God is saying, I'm the potter, you're the clay, I can do with you what I want. It's a a beautiful thing when the clay says, do with me as you want. And I think that's how we should live before God. We can, in in a sense, make it difficult for God to have his way in our life. You want to hear God? then you need to become familiar with his voice and his language. Read the word. If you don't, your spiritual hearing will become dull. That's just the way a relationship with anyone works. Here we have Jeremiah told to take that flask and go through the potsherd gate. That potsherd gate was also known as the dung gate. I mean, you, gee, you, you really drew the short straw if that was the gate that you were assigned to be gatekeeper to, wouldn't you? Know what I mean, oh boy. So that's where they took the rubbish out of the city and they went out this gate, the dung gate, and a pot shirt is a broken piece of pottery. And so, uh, there's a, there's a lot of symbolism happening here. So Jeremiah's, uh, taking the, the elders and the priests of, uh, Jerusalem out through this gate. Out they go. And they're about to go to the valley of the son of Hinnom. And I've already told you about this valley. We've already been told in Jeremiah what was happening here. This is where, in, in, a, in a part of that valley, there's a, a place called Tophet. And at Tophet, there was an oven. And the oven was a furnace where they burned their rubbish. And what were the people doing there? I think it's, it was at Jeremiah 7 we're told that they were going down there in, in, in the dead of night taking their newborn babies, offering them up to Molech and Asherah and throwing them in the furnace. Now I'm going to try and be as sensitive as I can about this, but this is what was happening. Verse 3. You shall say, hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Behold, I am bringing such disaster upon this place that the ears of everyone who hears of it will tingle. Verse four. And I think this is probably the key text in this passage. Because the people have forsaken me. And have profaned this place by making offerings in it to other gods. Notice that lowercase g. Whom neither they nor their fathers nor the kings of Judah have known. And because they have filled this place with the blood of innocents. And I presume the Lord's speaking of children. Verse 5. And have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command or decree, nor did it come into my mind. And we're going to pause there. I may allude to the next few verses. Now, I'm reminding you, the God of Moloch, the God of Asherah, this was the sun and the moon that they gave names to and they worshipped. They then personified these things with statues and they put them on the high places. You remember Jerusalem was on a hill. We're going to read that they had been making these sacrifices and offerings on their rooftops, and they had been offering on the high places. So they'd gone up to these mountains, and they had committed acts of of spiritual treason. So there's, we're going to see that there are three places of worship mentioned. But look at how how they were worshiping. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to read uh, verse. Six, and uh, let's see if we can go without me overstepping boundaries whereby I think I'm no longer being sensitive. So let me let's see how we go. Therefore, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when this place shall no more be called Tophet or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but it shall be called the valley of slaughter. Verse seven, and in this place I will make void the plans of Judah and Jerusalem, and will cause their people to fall by the sword before their enemies. And by the hand of those who seek their life, I will give their dead bodies for food to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And I will make this city a horror, a thing to be hissed at. Everyone who passes by it will be horrified and will hiss because because of all its wounds. Okay. So verse 5, they have built high places to Baal to burn their sons, their babies, their little boys. So they're killing children. Jerusalem was sacrificing their children to the gods of prosperity because the idea was that Molech was a god who would prosper you, a god who would bless you. He was the supposedly the fertility god and the... The associated so-called God with, with Moloch was Asherah, and they would set up these Asherah poles. These were phallic symbol uh, altars put in fields whereby the owners of the field would get temple prostitutes and commit acts of immorality. And this supposedly was done before the idol on the high place, and this this was to bring fertility on their crops. And then they would offer up the fruit of their fertility, um, the children, and sacrifice them to Moloch and Asherah in order to get bigger, better, more bountiful crops. So these children were being sacrificed to the gods of prosperity. Oh boy. Now, here's where I, 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 just, I just need you to hold on for a minute and just bear with me for a moment. Because I think this needs to be addressed. And I don't know how to address it. I just don't know how. But I'm just going to have a go. One in three Australian women have had an abortion, according to the last Senate inquiry that I read the data on. One in three. So as I say what I'm about to say, is we're talking about the sacrificing of children to the gods of convenience and prosperity it'd be really naive of me to think that there are not women here right now who have not had an abortion. And and in one respect, I kind of want to jump ahead and, and tell you that more women suffer in pain because of this than the media or anybody else ever talks about. And I want to tell you that there's forgiveness in Jesus. That Jesus can wash and cleanse and make you new and give you a brand new start. I want you to hear that. So, having said that, I guess in in one sense, I want the young girls in our church to know sex is not just recreation. Now, in Australia... A child is aborted every six minutes. In America, it's every 22 seconds. I don't want to dwell on this, but I just want to address it. What's our message to women who have gone through this? And I think this was the tenderness of Jeremiah as he was rebuking the leaders of Jerusalem for not addressing this. What's our message? It's this. Through Christ, there's hope, there's healing, and there's forgiveness. Amen? Amen. There's no finger pointing, there's no finger wagging. There's none of that. Because I'd be equally naive as we continue to look at this to think, There's not women here, and Jeremiah's going to talk about the immorality. One in four Australian women have been sexually abused. And I guess in light of that, Jeremiah's taken the men, the leaders, and I I guess I'd, I'd like to say to young men, if you think sex is just a trivial thing and you don't need marriage for that, you are a selfish, spiritually insensitive dope. Now I'd be naive to think I'm going to be leaving through this door, by the way. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be naive to think I'd be naive to think that there are not young men here listening to me right now that have been having perhaps having sex without that marriage. And I want you to hear my heart. It's not in your best interests. And it's definitely not in the best interest of the one you're having sex with. Now, I don't know how to deal with this sensitively enough. But I've tried. I've spoken to the men very harshly because... I know men. I am one. And we can be dopes. So I'm speaking to men on that level. I'm not speaking to women on that level at all. I'm reminding you there is hope. There is healing. There is forgiveness and cleansing through Christ. And Jeremiah is pleading with Jerusalem to accept that offer from God to be healed, to be restored. And they... Rejected it. Israel willfully told God, get lost. Get lost. Now let's come back to our earthenware vessel in a minute. This earthenware vessel was made by a potter and God says he's the potter. This earthenware vessel was made to look at how God wanted it to look. This earthenware vessel was made for a purpose. It was made to be filled with drink. It's a flask. It was made to refresh. It was made to be a blessing And what had they done with it? They had filled it with the wine of idolatry. What had they made an idol? They'd made their own sexual cravings. They'd made their own lusts and covetousness, their craving. And if this isn't heavy, man, I don't know what you think is. This is about as heavy as I ever want to get, but it's in the text. So let's deal with it. And today we can see that it's possible to look religious on the outside, but on the inside, as Angel sang this morning, I want to worship you on the inside out. I want my inside to be what you want me to be, to to be filled with what you want to put there. And the flask of Israel was not reflecting that song or that prayer. And what does God do with willful disobedience? He does what he always does. You shake a fist at God and tell him, my will, not your will. God will say to you, your will be done. And he will, according to Romans 1, hand you over. And you get handed over. And you find out what it is to live without God's protection or blessing. And that's what happened to Jerusalem. Now, let me come back to Palm Sunday. The first Sunday, Jesus Came in, or sorry, the Sunday before Jesus came in uh, to Jerusalem, before just uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, five days, in five days' time, he would be crucified on a cross. So on Palm Sunday, there he is, being lauded with cries of Hosanna. He's in Jerusalem, he then, before, just before. The, the Last Supper with his disciples. He goes out of the city. He goes up to the Mount of Olives, where Jeremiah has just been talking about this stuff, and he quotes, he refers to this passage in Matthew twenty three, and he stood over that city, and he did what Jeremiah did. He condemned those who should have known better. Matthew twenty three, the whole thing. Woe unto you, Jesus speaking. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. He's gone to the place that overlooks this place where Jeremiah is. And he, with Jeremiah-like prophecy, is speaking over Jerusalem. Wow. Here's Jesus on a day where the whole city, it says, is in uproar, singing his praises. Just three or four days later, they're killing him. Wow. Jesus spoke about this in Matthew 23. Then in Matthew 24, he said, Jesus says, this city will be surrounded by armies. This city will be destroyed. Not one stone of this building. And every one of those stones was the size of a container. Every block in that temple was the size of a shipping container. And Jesus, and the, the one, 100 meters high, Jesus said, not one of these will be left standing upon another. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And yet it happened exactly as he said. In fact, the last verse here and I, of Jeremiah 19, verse 9, the last verse that we we're looking at, And I'll make them eat the flesh of their sons and their daughters, and everyone shall eat the flesh of his neighbour in the siege and in distress. Oh man, this is terrible. This, I don't want to put this on the screen. But you know, Josephus said in describing the siege that Jesus foretold, that is what they resorted to. So this is something Jesus picked up. So here's my question. And I look at this, and I've got to tell you, if, if it feels like I'm pointing a finger at you, I guarantee you there's three pointing back at me. I am not going to say, woe unto you who have sinned, you dirty, filthy. No way. I'm, I'm a sinner who's been saved by grace. And I'm not trying to play word games here. We are all in the same boat. It doesn't matter what you've done. You need a saviour. You need forgiveness. Now, these things, I remind you, are written for our instruction. Notice the three places of worship. Let's bring this to a close. Three places of worship that Israel had violated. They'd violated the temple. They were offering strange sacrifices in the temple. God says, you have profaned my place. They were supposed to. Uh, used their rooftops. You know, in, in Jerusalem, the, the, roof, uh, the roofs of the houses were flat and they were told to keep the festival of booths or tabernacles. There were certain other ceremonies that they were supposed to keep on their rooftops. So the rooftops were supposed to be a place of worship. But what had Jerusalem done? They had done it and dedicated it not to the temple, but they had dedicated it to Molech up in the high places. I reckon there was a young kid watching all this. I reckon his name was Daniel. He's probably looking at all these people in Jerusalem, looking away from the temple, looking up to the high places. And if you read the book of Daniel, you'll see that Daniel, at the hour of prayer, knelt down beside his window and he looked toward which city? Jerusalem. As a respect and a mark of honor to God. God's people were to worship firstly in the temple, secondly on their home rooftops. That's it. There was supposed to be corporate worship and family worship. That's what they were supposed to do. And how were they supposed to do it? We've been singing about it. Several of the songs this morning reflect this, from their hearts. I thought the singing was wonderful this morning. It told me a lot about us as a church. And secondly, they were were meant to do it with right sacrifices. Sacrificing children was not right. So here's the question that I asked before, and I'm asking again. Here's the vessel. It looks pretty. But are you filling it with sexual immorality? Are you filling it with alcohol? Marijuana? Pornography? For some of us, we've gone, I've got a problem. And we've experienced the water of refreshing come into our vessel and take out all the crud and forgive us and wash us and cleanse us. And we've experienced newness. I said to you, When I started, and this is where I'm going to finish, that I hope that today you make certain decisions, that today, by the end of today, you make certain decisions that say, that's it, I've drifted, I want to come back. Let's pray. Father, this has been very difficult. This has been very difficult. And yet, Lord, I know that I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I need to be washed clean. Jesus Christ declares that if you come to him and confess your sin to him and acknowledge him as your saviour, you can be cleansed, you can be washed, you can be forgiven. And Father, I know that there's not one person in this room that doesn't feel the shame of that, of what we were before Christ took a hold of us. And now, Lord, I pray for those that are battling The God, you would forgive, cleanse, heal and save. And if that's you right now, just give me another minute. Give me a minute. If that's you, you know your life is not what it should be. It is not where it should be. You are not in the kind of relationship you should be with God. Let's not kid ourselves that we can do a deal with God that others don't get the privilege of that is just nonsense right now you you don't have you don't have tomorrow guaranteed much less your next heartbeat get right with god get right with god you are one prayer away from being made right with god a prayer that sounds something like this father please forgive me for what i've done cleanse me and give me a brand new start Help me to live with Jesus in my life, I pray. Amen.
0: The message to be drawn from tonight's exploration of Jeremiah chapter 19 is that through Christ there is hope and forgiveness. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Ears Will Tingle, are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. Dr Corbett is Pastor of Lagana Christian Church and President of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.